Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. Matt, Back for week four. <laughs> I can't believe we've made it this far. And if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, you must be related to us or a longtime <laughs> friend. <laughs> so far, yes, that's correct. <laughs> Um, so Matt, you know, it's, it was sort of a down week for ASU so far. They had back-to-back days off as the school year started. Yep. But that doesn't mean there hasn't been news. I think that the, one of the bigger stories that just started getting some coverage from Doug Haller is that long snapper Mitchell Fraboni's been out all camp. And the ASU kicking game and punting game were supposed to be a strength, supposed to be a weapon, and having a new long snapper to start 2016 could be a problem. Yeah, agreed. I just read about it um, in the last hour, actually, and, and was thinking the same thing, that, uh, that you know, that's, that's one of those things you take for granted. Um, and, and if somebody can step in and do the job as well, obviously, you know, you, you don't even think about it, but... Um, you know, snapper and holder are two positions that you don't think anything about coming into the season. Um, but if those things go awry, you know, we've seen that be issues in the past. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a concern. And, and from what he says, it sounds like he's not anywhere close to coming back. So, I mean, you could be looking at deep into the season. Who knows? Maybe all season. And ASU only had one player on the ESPN preseason all-conference, and that was Matt Hawk. So it, tells, right, it right. tells you, one, what people think of us, and two, how important <laughs> special teams could be this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a concern because, you, you know, you looked at that group um, coming back, and, you know, you did. We, we talked about this in the past couple weeks, that that was kind of an area that you pointed to as uh, a strength, special teams in general, and you know, this doesn't necessarily dent the whole group, but it, you know, certainly the, the reliability of Zane Gonzalez and field position battle um, with Matt Huck, you know, it could affect both of those. And that's, that's a concern when you don't have a lot of margin for error as it is. This time of year is mostly about things that are concerning. Be- yeah, it's true. <laughs> before, that is true. Because before you get into games, it's really either no news or bad news. It's hard to be too positive uh, because, yeah, I mean, you just, you know, you, you look for those red flags. And unfortunately, it seems like we've got a fair amount of them right now. Yeah, another red flag is news coming out of Tempe that Douglasson Subtle will be missing the entire season for academic reasons. It's, yeah. He, you know, he was expected to give uh, some more pass rush options for Todd Graham. And it just seems like for, you know, every season we have some sort of issue going into camp with somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of times it's, it's um, you know, it's the risk you take with junior college players. Uh, you know, I hate to, to, you know, stereotype too much, but um, there's a reason that guys are in junior college and, and you know, different reasons. But a lot of times it is academics, and and you know you take that risk when you bring guys in that, you know they may not be up to par in that area. They you know they may not be cleared. They may not stay up to par if they are cleared, and um, you know you just it's it's part of the risk. And you know uh, when you mentioned Doug Haller, I know he's talked several times recently and written about the the emphasis on JUCO kids under Graham, and that's it's been obvious since he got here. And some have worked out great. You know, some of the best players we've had under Graham have been junior college kids. So it's it's a risk worth taking, but, you know, this is the downside of it. Yeah, for every Jalen Strong and Demarius Randall, you get a Eric Lauderdale. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've we've gotten some impact guys. I mean, uh, you know, the, the guys who've been drafted um, under Graham, the, the majority of them have been JUCO transfers. You know, Marion Grice, Hardison. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Strong and Randall, the only first round pick. Um, so it's been a lot, you know, and, and, and they've been great players for us. But, yeah, I mean, this one hurts. Um, they were counting on him to be a, a help in the pass rush. Now it sounds like from, you know, from some of the things I've read that, that we've got some good possibilities there as well with another junior college transfer in, in uh, I think it's Karan Crump and and some of the younger guys that, you know, that are kind of progressing. Malik Lawal is getting some, some positive attention. So hopefully there's some guys who can fill the void. But, yeah, it, it, it hurts because this guy was supposed to be a good pass rusher and now he's not in the equation, at least for this year. I saw in uh, Haller's article today the interview with Keith Patterson, where he, mm-hmm. you know, where Patterson was suggesting, you know, maybe we can get pressure with only bringing three guys. And I, I'd be curious to see the number of times Todd Graham brought less than four players on any yeah. play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that will really happen. I mean, it's ideal, I guess, if you can, but um, takes, you know, takes pretty good players to be able to do that. You know, I think uh, we've we've talked about. It. I think our defensive front is pretty good, and our linebackers, I think, are probably the strength of our defense. But you know, I don't I don't know that we've got that dynamic sort of Terrell Suggs like pass rusher that that can you know really be the focal point of a defense and make things easier for everybody else. That probably not, and probably wouldn't have even if this guy had been cleared. Yeah, one thing that ASU's done a great job with under Graham is not letting negative stories get out unless they absolutely have to. I, you know, typically this happens with injuries where it turns out, oh, he might play, he might play. Oh, he broke his leg. Right, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and we got a little bit of that with Demario Richard and Kalen Balage, where apparently there was some sort of issue between the two of them last season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I think in some ways that kind of stuff is only natural. A lot of times you hear the, you know, the positive. Hey, everybody's rooting for each other. Everybody's behind each other. And, you know, you want that, but look, everybody's, everybody wants to play and, um, you know, Demario Richard was playing well and I'm sure he thought he was worthy of getting all the carries and Kalen Balaj after a slow start with, with the mono and all that, you know, he played well and, and, you know, it's, it's just like quarterbacks. I mean, it's just not realistic to think that these guys can all be the best of friends all the time. Um, but it, it sounds like, you know, from what he said, they've, they've sort of, you know, patched over any differences they had and, and understand that, hey, maybe they need each other. You know, running back's a tough position to, to get every carry. Um, and, and, you know, you want to keep your guys fresh deep into the season. Having a timeshare is probably good. I mean, competition brings out the best in guys, and you would think that these two guys who came in together in the same class who've effectively been 1-1A one one yeah. since their freshman year – that you know, by now in their junior year, they should at least uh, have a good working relationship. Sure, sure, and you know, and hopefully they have. I mean, you know, from what Richard said, it sounds like you know, they they kind of understand what the offense is looking for and how they can both be incorporated. And you know, that's the beauty of the running back position, especially in, in football lately. Is you know, plenty of teams are using three or four running backs sometimes um, and finding ways to get them all involved. And, and uh, you know, with with the, the team we've got this year that kind of has question marks almost everywhere else on offense. I mean, they should be the strength. They should be getting a lot of touches because we can't count on any receivers yet. Um, we certainly, you know, the quarterback and the line 
talked about that immensely already. Um, and, and so we're going to need those two guys to both carry a lot of the load. And, you know, I'm sure, hey, they, they both have hopes for the future, maybe as soon as after this year. You know, I see it all the time with running backs leave early to try to maximize those years of productivity at the NFL level. Yeah, well, Chip Lindsey certainly is going to have his work cut out for him this year uh, because beyond the running game, there are just a lot of question marks at pretty much every level except tight end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's an offense. It's got a lot of uh, question marks to start the year. Um, hopefully those will be answered positively pretty quick, but, you know, we'll see. Um, that's obviously the strength you would expect is, is those running backs and even the depth there beyond those two guys um you got some guys that are are interesting for different reasons so you hope yeah. that that can be the the identity of this team a lot of that i think comes back to how the offensive line gels um but you know you do have good players there and, and guys who can be involved in more than just running the ball you know they can catch passes um they can be a factor in that element of the game as well well, you touched on the offensive line. One thing that I've really liked seeing and I think is a promising thing is having the same set of five running with the first team now for a couple weeks. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think that's very, you know, continuity is huge in that area. Well, and just the fact that, you know, between all of them there's, I think, 16 career starts, giving them, mm-hmm. a, ch- giving them a chance to play together for three three and a half weeks before their first live game action against NAU. Yeah. And then, knock on wood, hopefully everyone comes through that game healthy with four quarters of experience right. going into Texas Tech. Right, right. No, agreed. I mean, I think that's I think that's very important. Um, I mean, you know, I think there's certain areas you can mix and match guys. Running back, like we just talked about, is one. But, you know, the line, you, you really want communication so important. Uh, you know, watching that and, and knowing what the guy next to you is going to do. And, and it just takes time and repetition. And, you know, three weeks isn't much, but it's better than the alternative if you're continually mixing and matching through the whole fall camp. And the one nice thing that they have going for them is it seems like the coaches are confident in that second tier of players because while they've settled on, at least apparently settled on, a first-team line, it seems that the second team's been consistent, and they've been pretty happy with how everyone's played in the two teams. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, hopefully that's an area, uh, you know, in, in listening to, to what Doug Haller had to say uh, uh, this week, I think, you know, he talked about how people have, people have said, hey, this, this line really looks the part physically. They look like an offensive line that ASU really hasn't had in a long time as far as being a, a physically superior group, and uh, now it's just a matter of getting experience, and you know, I mean, that's the, you know, you can't fake that. But um, you know, if they are talented enough, then hopefully, you know, the the learning curve won't be quite as steep. Yeah, and you know, one of the positions on offense that at least there's some returning experience is at wide receiver. You know, getting Cameron Smith back this year and the emergence mm-hmm. of Tim White last season, you have a couple guys who you feel confident in, and. Everyone, though, is going to be watching Nikhil Harry, who just flipped with Ellis Jefferson uh, in this morning's practice uh, yeah. on first-team reps. And as, you know, as fans that we are of ASU but also of college football across the board, when you can get an impact receiver at, who's a freshman and you uh-huh. can watch him grow like Laquan Treadwell did at Ole Miss, right. you, you have to hope that if Harry, who was the number one receiver on ESPN, is in that same class and is – you know, someone who you can talk about 
you know, with those comps, it could be a big year for him and for ASU. Yeah, I mean, hopefully so. You know, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, in, in typical kind of coaching fashion, they, they're bringing him along slowly. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't welcome him in on day one and put him with the starting group. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of want the guy to figure out what it takes on a day to day level. I mean, uh, and and that's another thing you know I've heard and read is that you know that it seems like they they wanted to humble him a little bit. They wanted to kind of you know, hey, this is what you have to do to practice and and prepare every day, and and that's part of learning as a freshman coming out of high school where you've been the man and you probably didn't need that day to day practice and preparation. You were just better than most guys, and now that's not going to be the case. Um, and so hopefully he's, you know, hopefully his ascension means that he's learning those lessons and, and, you know, maybe even earlier than you would have expected, kind of thought maybe it would take into the season for him to climb that ladder, but, um, maybe he's going to, you know, do it before opening day, which would be ideal. Yeah. When you have a guy who's this talented, you, you always wonder if when he's playing in the Valley, you know, high school football, Mm -hmm. What did he actually have to do besides just be the most athletically gifted player on the field? Right, exactly. And he and he played at a you know one of the better schools in in the state. You know they were a state champion a couple years ago, and they've been in the mix every year um, during his career and even before. And uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that is something you have to learn when you get to the next level, and it, it's the same adjustment you have to make going from college to the pros is is what it takes. And and some guys don't learn that. And that's why they trip up. That's why some guys don't fulfill that potential. And, you know, you hope seeing this that, that he's he's doing that already. That'd be great, you know, because you never know if a guy's going to be able to figure it out at the next level. And um, You know, but they're obviously excited about him um, and excited about Kyle Williams, it seems like, too, uh, playing, you know, potentially playing as a true freshman. So, you know, you hope these, these two guys can both uh, contribute this year and, and, you know, make this group a pretty deep and talented group, hopefully. I mean, when you take those two guys, you add in Jalen Harvey, Smith, Jefferson, yeah. White, all of a sudden, you know, if you blink, you're going to see a pretty deep receiver core. Hopefully so, yeah. I, you know, again, I, to keep, you know, referencing obviously what, what Haller has said, is he doesn't seem very sold on the receiver group. I'm a little bit more so. I mean, he's seeing him in practice a little bit every day, so I have to trust his opinion a little bit. But, uh, you know, I guess I have I have optimism for this group that, that maybe isn't shared by everyone, but I think it'll be fine. Now, again, it, it comes back to other positions on the offense to see how effective they can be. If, if your quarterback isn't up to the job, it doesn't matter how good your receivers are. But, I, you know, I think it's a pretty good group. It's probably not a group that, that's going to be the best in the conference, but there's, there's potential there and there's, and there's some youth there that, you know, you can hopefully build around for a couple of years. Well, it's funny that you brought up quarterback. There's still no word on who's going to be actually in charge <laughs> of distributing the ball to that receiver group. No, and I don't think we're going to get word until, uh, you know, whoever comes out for that first series on September 3rd. Do you think there's any chance that he sends both uh, Manny Wilkins I mean, does he just send every healthy, able-bodied quarterback into the first huddle and then have some of them back out at this point? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, like a lot of teams around the country, they're enjoying their ability to kind of play mind games with, with their opponent and, and future opponents. Um, 
you know, uh, uh, the biggest thing, and we don't know the answer, and we probably won't know this answer uh, until well into the season. You, what you worry about with this is, is it just mind games or is it um, legit uncertainty? Has nobody separated themselves? And and that's the that's the biggest concern is if you're into, you know, the 24th of August and the first game is, what, 10 days away and nobody's kind of taken the lead and, and really shown – now it's different if both of them have looked great. That's a different story. Um, but if both of them have just still been shaky, and you're thinking, "Boy, I don't know what we're doing," that's where you get really worried. Yeah, I mean, you you wonder if this, you know, from what we're hearing, it's you know, everyone seems to think it's going to be Manny Wilkins over Brady White. But is this almost? It almost to me feels like a tie goes to the older guy. Kind of, kind of, and and you know, I think. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, and it's funny you say that because I, I've looked at other programs, uh, you know, and kind of trying to feel where they're going. I think a lot of coaches are prone to do that. You know, you go with the veteran hand, the guy who's been around the longest, who's, you know, made the mistakes in practice at least and learned from the mistakes, hopefully. Um, you know, I think that's an easy, easy move for coaches to make. Um, of course, in this case, not that much more of a veteran you know it's the difference between a redshirt sophomore and a redshirt freshman both in their first year in this offensive scheme so you know if that's the deciding factor I guess I get it but you'd like it to be something more than that yeah I mean USC opted for Max Brown over Sam Darnold going with the vet as the starting quarterback in their opener against Alabama so yeah and I and I think similar similar thought process there you know hey you've got a guy who's been there for three years he's played some off the bench for the last couple of years never really much meaningful time but he's gotten in games and and you know you you go with the with the veteran the smarter you know more intelligent at least football intelligence you'd think player at that level uh, now coaches get this wrong at times I mean we've seen it at ASU we've seen it other places where you know coaches start the the veteran, uh, you know, Clemson a couple years ago started the year with Cole Stout. He wasn't that good, and they lost a couple games they probably shouldn't have lost. And then they put Deshaun Watson in as a true freshman, and they got rolling. And last year, you saw what he did. And, you know, so sometimes you should make that bold call, but I think it's always easy to sort of just fall back on the veteran and go that way. Well, I mean, ASU has done this, you know, under now yes. Tampa Bay head coach Dirk Cutter with Ruby right. Carpenter, Sam Keller. And right. he named Keller the starter, only to then be reversed, I guess, by right. Terry Richardson and the rest yeah, of the team. And the team, and, and knowing what was going on with Keller and all that, I, you know, who knows? Uh, that was a, a great example. And, and you know, Dennis Erickson did it, too. I mean, he, you know, Brock Osweiler was a hotshot true freshman, and it took a while for him to get a chance to play deep into the season, even though that season was kind of falling apart. Um, you go with the with the veteran Stephen Three, you know, and, and even or the year before it was Danny Sullivan. Then the next year it was Stephen Three, um, you know. So it's I think it's just an easy thing for coaches to do. Now, in the case of SC, uh, I'll say I, you know I hope it works out for Brown. Um, he's waited patiently, and that's hard to do when you're a quarterback of his you know prestige. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year, you know, five star quarterback recruit, and for him to wait three years to play. It's so unheard of in today's college football world. So I, I'm rooting for him. I hope it works out and, and he has a couple of good years there and, and takes advantage of the chance. Yeah, there's, you know, 
there's been still some unsettled quarterback battles nationwide. I feel like USC is almost the outlier by announcing their starter. Yeah, a few have, and, and a few are, are, you know, playing it close to the vest, um, you know, and, and, and again, it's, it's that ability to sort of, uh, you know, hide your cards, and especially for some of these teams playing marquee openers. Uh, you know, I know Georgia's one that hasn't made any announcement, and, and Kirby Smart said, I think a couple days ago, hey, you know, why would I tell North Carolina what we're going to do? Um, and I, I guess I see that point, but it does, uh, you know, just it kind of leaves you with that question mark all the way till the opener of who you're going to see out there. I will say the the Charlotte uh, newspaper's website had a story about how Georgia hadn't named their quarterback yet. <laughs> so, it, so I guess smart. It's stuff. working. Yeah, <laughs> it's working. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it it keeps you guessing. Now, you know, to me, I always I always wonder a little bit like if your quarterbacks are all kind of similar in how they play and your offense is what, what it is, does it matter if you, if you hide who it's going to be? Um, you know, now not seeing a ton of Georgia, but they're all three, you know, pocket passer type of quarterbacks. There's not one in there. Who's a, who's a Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb type. Who's going to, you know, they're going to alter their offense. So does it really matter that much if you're preparing? I don't know. I mean, I suppose any uncertainty you could leave in the mind of your opponent can't hurt, but sometimes I think it might be a little overrated. Yeah. I mean, the third option is to do what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame and declare that they're both the starter. And, it, and that's, it's very interesting. I mean, and that was, that was the kind of the thing that, you know, popped up a few days ago related to ASU was, would they, would they play two quarterbacks? That seems to kind of, stemmed you know faded away a little bit it sounds like you know Graham basically said hey I want I want our quarterback to be the leader and comments that kind of lead you to believe he's going to go with one and play one um you know Notre Dame's very interesting to me because uh, I've always thought for the last several years that somebody could do this somebody could could effectively find a way to use two quarterbacks and and if they did would it be sort of kind of you know a revelation in football that that you can do this and yeah, I think if anybody can, it might be them. They got two guys who've won before. Their teammates trust them both. Um, and Brian Kelly's been effective with two quarterbacks before. You know, he did it in 2012 with Reese and Golson. So he's kind of had this ability to do it before, and, and maybe this is the spot we see somebody pull that off. I mean, it's interesting when you've got teams, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Stanford, Oregon, <laughs> Every, yeah. Everyone who people expect good to great yeah. years from, and and nobody has a quarterback who they've got uncertainty. On. Yeah, I mean Michigan's another one that you know, a, kind of a, a popular national championship pick hasn't picked their starter, um, and and some of it I think is is coaching arrogance, for lack of a better word. I think you know guys like Saban and Harbaugh, they they think that they're the smartest guys in any room they're in. Uh, and may, maybe most of the time they are, uh, but uh, you know I think both of them have done this before. Harbaugh didn't name a starter last year. They went out to play Utah in the opener. He didn't know who was going to take the first snap until Jake Rudock did. Um, he'll probably do the same thing this year. Alabama's done it the last couple of years. Kept their competition going into the season. You know, last year they they started Bateman in the game they lost, and Coker kind of won the job by coming off the bench in that game and playing well. Uh, and so you can see that happen with both of them, that they may keep this going, you know, right up until and through opening day. That's uh, that's becoming sort of an Urban Meyer special. 
Uh, yes. To, you know, yes. Because he's one to, you know, I remember last year as we were going in, they're, the, right. they're defending national champs, and it could have been any one of three players. Any, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you didn't know until they took the first snaps that it was going to be Cardale Jones. And, and, again, that's the risk, I think, for Notre Dame. When you look at Notre Dame is, you know, do you have kind of an Ohio State situation where – or if things get bumpy, or, or you know, is is everybody just sort of saying, well, why don't you go to the other guy? And then you put the other guy in, and things get bumpy with him, and you think, well, why? Maybe you gave up on the first guy too soon. So it's it's a hard balance, and I'm I'm really curious with Notre Dame, will they do this all year, or is this just kind of a start the year and see which guy separates himself in games, and maybe by game three or four, you've got a clear starter and backup. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be kind of a, a fascinating case to watch. You brought up how they did it with Golson and Reese, and it was almost like they were doing it with a relief pitcher. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I, I, you know, Golson was the starter, but he was erratic as a freshman, and and you know he'd have moments that he just seemed overwhelmed, and they'd bring Reese off the bench, and he'd come in and and you know settle the game down and play well, and it worked. I mean, they went twelve and zero that year. Now they they had some lucky wins and some fluke wins, but. Uh, again, that's what gives me confidence that maybe this is the situation to make it happen because maybe Kelly's the right coach to make it work. I want to jump back to ASU, not on the quarterback battle, but there's one more uh, piece of news that seems to be getting a lot of traction in the last week, and that that's Tyler Wiley, who, uh-huh. you know, I remember when he came out, the, the last thing I saw of him was when our beloved South Point Lancers won state. That's right. <laughs> and... Wiley, right, Wiley yes. could not hang with Cam Denson. No, no, exactly. They were both pretty uh, top recruits. And and on that night, we were all in on Cam Denson. And since, it's kind of gone the opposite way. And, and Wiley, who seemed to get lost in the shuffle for the first couple years, has now sort of emerged as being a key cog on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it'd be great to see if he could if he can keep this up. I mean, uh, you know, because, because you know, we've, we've discussed this with other guys. It it seems like we're in such a rush now for guys to contribute and guys to make a big leap. And, and, you know, if they don't do it in year one or two, kind of forget about them. And it seems like they become yesterday's news. And, and, you know, he's only in his third year at ASU. It's not like he's a fifth year senior, Um, you know, so it'd be, it'd be good to see if he could, you know, take that leap and be a contributor. And I I think, you know, giving him a, a permanent home on defense is a big factor. Um, you know, we've we've seen guys through the years going back to guys like Rudy Burgess that, you know, it feels like, man, if they could just get a permanent spot, they could be really good. And and, you know, maybe this is the this is the moment it clicks on for him that hey, he's going to play defense. This is what he's going to do. And he'll take that leap this year, I hope. Well, and Todd Graham has a tendency to yank guys around both sides of the ball and feel yeah. stuff out. And most of the time, you know, it doesn't hurt. And in fact, sometimes you wind up with uh you know, Gump Hayes is now apparently right. the starting corner after last yeah. year getting, you know, most of the touches in week one at running back. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that's very true, very true. Uh, you know, he does it t- to me, and, you know, you know this, uh, to me he does it a little bit too much. Uh, you know, I, I read that, he had, you know, Kyle Williams today is playing safety. I, I don't love that. I, I think, you know, maybe you do that with a veteran guy. Um but it's it's his way of doing things, and you just you know you kind of accept it. And 
And it's and you're right. I mean, it has worked at times, and at other times, it's been experiments that haven't worked. I mean, last year, remember, Kalen Balaz was going to be a pass rusher, and we never really saw that. Um, but you know, I, I suppose he's always looking to try to find a a secret formula that wins, and you have to respect that at least. Well, and there's always what the one thing you know the the glass half full view of looking at it is he's looking to put guys in the best chance for them to succeed. And yeah, even if yeah. even if you've been a receiver your whole career, the best spot for you might be at corner. You know. Yeah, and and you know some great players over the years. I mean, I always I always think of Anquan Bolden, who's a borderline Hall of Famer. He got recruited to Florida State as a quarterback, and they moved him to receiver. You know, he was an option type of quarterback. They moved to receiver. He ends up you know going to the NFL. He's played almost 15 years, and and he's had a great career. You know, so there there are guys who do that even guys who flip sides of the ball and, and it does work. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, again, it, it worries me that he, he over tweaks with guys. Um, but you know, again, I, I guess you, you have to respect that he's not bound by conventional wisdom all the time. And some coaches are, you feel like they never take a risk. You can't say that of Graham. The guy is a, is a risk taker. He's always trying to, to get the edge to try to win. Yeah. There's always, something to do something to tweak and you know going into this season my hope is that one of those things is we figure out how to set up some blitz packages where we don't have three guys covering five receivers (laughs) i hope so yeah yeah i mean hopefully uh you know again that's that's part of that's the downside of that risk is the way he coaches on defense sometimes is sort of a you know let's just throw it all at the quarterback and and hope we get there. And if you don't get there, boy, you're in trouble on the other end. Um, we saw that a lot. So, you know, I hope that's not the case. Um, this year, you know, you hope you learn some lessons from last year's second half debacle. But, uh, yeah, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it goes, obviously. Looking ahead, we've got NAU next week, which means an NAU preview and our game picks, and that'll start us into, uh, you know, we'll get our final thoughts on all of the preseason stuff, and we'll finally get to talk about some real games. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to it. A a big week one on the docket nationally, and hopefully not a real big week one for ASU. Hopefully a little bit more of an easy test before a big week two, Uh, but we'll see. That, That remains to be seen, I guess. And Matt and I will be here to share our thoughts with you, our loyal listeners. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad, since that's probably who it is. Uh, All all five of you, we we appreciate it, if there's five of you. So with that, I'm Ben. He's Matt. This is the Ben and Matt Sportscast. Thanks.